Right, folks, let's, uh, let's make a start. That'll be great. And uh, let, let, let's do the following. This will be really useful. This will be fun. So hands up if you were here last week. If you were in the room last Sunday. Let's, let's just have a look. Great, that's 76 of you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know that. I'm guessing. It's a joke. Right, hands up if you weren't here last week. So, isn't that interesting? Okay, why weren't you here last week? <laughs> Liverpool, Man City, we're not mentioning the rugby today, by the way. Um, I ate humble pie last week. It's in uh, the, what's in the past is in the past, and all that. So, good. Okay, well, those of you who weren't here last week, we had a just incredible Sunday. It was really, really exciting. And we shared uh, Vineyard Island's kind of dream to uh, plant 50 churches uh, in the next 15 years. It's a vision. Uh, it's something that we're, we're striving for, longing for, praying for. And we uh, just kind of shared that vision with the church last week. If you, were, you weren't there, listen to what was said. Uh, there's, some, there's a brilliant video that's been launched and website and all the rest. And we'd really encourage you to take a look at that. It's really, really exciting. But what excited us more than just being able to share that was the way in which you responded, those of you who were here. And I'm sure those of you who weren't here, if you were there, you'd have responded too. Like, it was just amazing. Basically, end of the service, just said, guys, if you feel like God is speaking to you and calling you to pioneering something, be it a church plant or be it a ministry or something, God's been speaking to you about that, then, then would you stand? And we, we invited people to do that. And it was one of those moments, like you, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I, I throw those things out and I invite people to come forward for prayer and then I stand here on my own like a bit of a numpty, to be honest, as you kind of quiver in your place, kind of, oh, you're kind of like holding back because sometimes actually you know you actually need to come forward. But I, I was in that place when I was just like, oh, here we go. There's bound to be people out there, but they're just not going to stand. They're just not going to stand. And I'm, I'm standing there. You're all sitting there like this. And, and then one by one, many of you stood to your feet. And it was really, really exciting. And uh, we would love to know what that was about. Because we don't really know. And, um, and that's great. Sometimes there's timing in that, isn't there? It's just, that was just the first step for some of you in terms of being obedient to the Lord and just saying, yeah, I'm available. And continue to work in me in that. But, uh, you know, if there's something that you're dreaming about, God's speaking to you about, and you think, actually, you need to have some face time, then let's have coffee and, and let's talk that through. That would be tremendous. As well as that, too, I just wanted to say this morning, guys, we're just so excited about what God's doing in, it, in us and through us right now. The number of stories, the number of people that we chat to through the week or you message us, is, it's just incredible. It's really, really incredible. And there's just lives being changed right in front of our very eyes. And uh, maybe, in fact, not maybe, we know we need to be better at telling your stories and allowing that, or not allowing that because we allow that, but making a vehicle for you to all hear some of the amazing stuff that's going on. Uh, it's really, really, really exciting. So that was last week. And uh, we took a brief uh, break from Acts uh, the book of Acts, and uh, so we return our journey, we're in Acts chapter 4, and hopefully the words will come up on the street, uh, screen for you, 
we'll, we're going to read it through together, chunk by chunk, and I'm just going to uh, share a few things on each bit as we go along. But let's recap chapter 3. Chapter 3, we've got Peter and John, and uh, they're doing the stuff. We, I called the talk Doing the Stuff. They're, uh, they're on their way to the temple gates. They're up to the temple to pray. It's the, I think it was the third session of the day for prayer there. And they just went there, and there was this beggar who was left there as he was every single day. He was in his 40s. He'd been lame, which we assume means he couldn't walk, and he'd been like that since, he was, since birth. And he went to, to the gates because it was basically where all the people went to pray, and there was a great chance of getting a bit more cash going there. And, uh, and he basically said to them, what, what, you know, give me sign." And Peter and John, they looked at him intently and basically said, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he did. And it was just the most incredible miracle. And they began to do the Jesus stuff. The Jesus stuff that he's calling us and inviting us to go do as well, which is incredibly exciting. And I know that in, uh, increasingly there's a number of us that are... are, are becoming like this in terms of having the boldness to step out the boldness and the courage to when someone at work says to you I've got a some sort of ailment that you actually step out of the boat a little bit and you go oh can I pray for you and I know that some of us are, are, are there and some of us as I say that are like I'm never going to get there no there's just no chance um, but who knows let's just see so here we are um, they've done this amazing miracle, or God's done this amazing miracle through them, and Peter's got a crowd again. Like at Pentecost, he's got a crowd, and he begins to teach, he begins to preach. That's Acts chapter 3. We pick it up, we're in Acts 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So they've performed this miracle, Peter's teaching, the onlookers, and then the religious police rock up. The religious police was the captain of the temple guard. They come and they arrest Peter and John. And they're disturbed because of what they're preaching. They're disturbed uh, by what is actually going on. The Sadducees, the difference between the Sadducees and Pharisees were that the Sadducees didn't agree or didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't uh, agree with the resurrection. And this was part of what they were teaching and what they were preaching. And they seize them because it's night time. There's not time to put them on trial or, or question them or whatever. So they stick them in jail overnight. But despite this, 5,000 men, so we assume women, children as well, often those days it was just the men who were counted, um, believed. The last count, Pentecost, day of Pentecost, it was 3,000. It's gone up 2,000 people in a time scale that we're not quite sure. But they're doing well. They're doing pretty well. And I think it's interesting that despite of opposition and despite of persecution, which we're going to look at this morning, the church grew. Isn't that right? And so, so put that across the world. Look at the Chinese church uh, that we read stories, or we hear stories about. The Chinese government would not allow the open preaching and teaching. It was 
illegal to be a Christian, and yet the Christian church in China has just exploded. Like uh, pastors leading churches of thousands, ten thousands of people. And so much of the church was underground. And often that was because of persecution. And we're going to briefly touch and look at that and think, goodness, the way our culture and society is going, which for many years has very much been a Christian society, but the way things are changing in our land, that a time could be coming where we become exiled, where we become ostracized, where we become uh, almost uh, persecuted because of our faith and what we believe. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers uh, of the Lord met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? So within these six verses, these first six verses that we read here, there are no less than 11 individuals or groups opposing Peter and John. There were the priests, the Sadducees, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law, Annas the high priest, the high priest's family came along, the captain of the temple, Caiaphas, John and Alexander. They're drawn together as one. It's almost like the Jewish council, the the, the, the people, the leading lights who are responsible for leading this country, leading the Jewish nation of uh, uh, Israel together. And they are uh, greatly disturbed because of what Peter and John are doing. And they ask this question, by what power or power or what name did you do this? And what I love about this is, they're not trying to cover over the miracle. They're not trying to deny it because it's plain to see. You can't argue with a bloke who has not walked since he was born and then you see him walking. You can't argue with that. You can't do away with that miracle. You can't deny that. And they're not trying to do that. But what they are questioning is, how the heck did you do that? Who, in what name or what power? And they acknowledge, actually, in the same question, the same thing. See, there was power in the name of Jesus. And that's what they get to in a minute in their uh, response. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Good answer, Pete. Well done, mate. Pretty darn good. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks boldly in response to their question. You imagine, Peter was a fisherman. 
That was his job. He was the local lad who went out on the boat. And he's in front of the big wigs. The chief, you know, the high priest, his whole family come along, all those other individuals, and they're being questioned. And boldly, he speaks. Boldly, he speaks in the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that came upon him at the day of Pentecost. The same Holy Spirit that gave him boldness to speak when things were difficult. Remember Jesus' words in uh, the very beginning of Acts, Acts 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Why? Because you're going to be my witnesses. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the Holy Spirit does lots of things. Heals, sets free, anoints us. But one of the things, one of the jobs or one of the things about God, the Holy Spirit, is he gives us power. Power to be his witness. And there he is, accused of something. In fact, accused of something really good. An act of kindness. It's like, what, why are we even here? We just helped this bloke. This bloke's never walked. And you're accusing us of doing something wrong. We did something kind to this man. And you're accusing us of doing something wrong. This is almost ridiculous. The Holy Spirit comes to give us power to be witnesses. And I wonder in that moment if Peter remembers the words that Jesus had shared with him and others personally. That's what I love about Jesus. You know, all that training that he did. And so often the disciples got it wrong, didn't they? But he spoke the words all the time. It's like, guys, I'm, I'm telling you this now because later you're going to need to know about it. And these are the words that Jesus prepared his guys. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, he knew that it was coming. He knew that a time was going to come later when he was, they were going to have to speak to people from synagogues, rulers, authorities, says, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And folks, there are times in our lives when we need to do something, when we need to say something. And in those times, we almost panic, go, ah, I don't know what I'm going to say. And the truth is, what Jesus is saying is, do not worry about that stuff. Because the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to say. The Holy Spirit will give you, will show you, will give you the promptings to know what to do in those uh, situations. In Peter's reply, it was in the name of Jesus. That was the power. That was the name in whom this man is healed. And again, like in the other chapters that we've looked at, Peter doesn't let them off the hook. He says, you crucified him. You, you, you chose to do that. This, these, this the council of people. They were the very people that sentenced Jesus to death. They were the same people that Jesus went up against and sentenced to death. And there they are, standing in front of him. And he's saying, it's Jesus who did this and you crucified him. And then what I love is he quotes, he appropriately quotes scripture. Now here's the thing. Scripture, the word of God is so, so important to us. So important to us. 
And I think it's so useful for encouraging, for teaching, for rebuking, for all that stuff. Sometimes we can misquote scripture to suit our needs, right? To kind of fill in the gaps. But here, Peter appropriately, again, Peter the fisherman, not Peter the scribe or Peter the Bible scholar or Peter the, 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 the Pharisee that, that knew the scriptures. Peter the fisherman quotes to the Jewish teachers who knew the book inside out, back to front. He quotes it at them. And from Psalm 118, he says, um, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He's quoting scripture at the guys who know the book pretty well. He's saying, you're the builders. You're the very ones that you rejected the cornerstone. The cornerstone in building terms was like the foundational stone that the building was built upon. And he's saying, it's you guys. Salvation is only found in him. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. The Jewish council are pretty taken back, right? They're pretty amazed by uh, Peter and John's response to them. And they look at them and think, goodness, these guys are just ordinary, unschooled, untrained men. How are they speaking so boldly? The key to this is they had been with Jesus. Literally, they'd been with Jesus, right? They were two guys that had been with him on the journey and uh, that they had done those things. Um, But I think here's the encouragement to us. Whilst over the centuries, over the years, there have been just incredible Bible scholars and teachers. You probably know more theologian names than I do. And they've been mighty men and mighty women of God, and they've written great things that have really, really encouraged and built up the church over the years. And that's been amazing. We celebrate that. But what's really encouraging is this, that You don't need to be the most intellectual person to follow and to know and to love Jesus and share what he has with the broken, hurting world. Peter was just a, and John, they were who they were, unschooled, untrained. But the key to this is this. And if you forget everything that I'm saying this morning, they had been with Jesus. And the difference between... um, Someone who might know their Bible absolutely incredible and have got 10 theological degrees and someone who's unschooled is if we have been with Jesus. Our um, life group on Thursday, uh, we listened to a teaching and uh, one of the things, it was very, very challenging actually and it um, it was basically about just spending time with Jesus. That was it. It's pretty basic. It's pretty ordinary. It's what we're meant to do. And, and it so encouraged me, but also challenged me as well, that, goodness, all of this life thing that we do, it just, it just is so different when we've been with Jesus, isn't it? And we can't, we can't do that for you. 
I can't do that for you and you can't do that for me. It's only what we can do for ourselves. Let's whiz on. I, I, I can tell that I have half of you with me and I'm, I'm losing half of you. So let's speed up a little. Maybe do a tap dance or something. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone um, in this name. The Jewish council, they've had this chat, they conferred together. They're like, oh my goodness, we can't deny this. We can't deny what's gone on. It's like the whole town knows. And they didn't even have Facebook. It just got, word just got out really, really quick. And everyone knew all about it. What are we going to do? And they said, right, we're just going to warn them. They're to stop it. They can't do it anymore. And it kind of got me thinking. It's the conversation I've been having with one or two folks recently. It's like society is changing. And it is making it increasingly difficult for Christians. It's making it incredibly uh, difficult to actually speak out in the name of Jesus. And there are, there are workplaces where uh, you have to be super careful or you, you, know, you can't share your faith in that way. And, and simply all, all I'm saying this morning is we just need God's wisdom, don't we? To live in this world which doesn't accept Christianity like it used to. To know kind of how to conduct ourselves in that way that is appropriate. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach. They bring them back in. Uh, they're not allowed to speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. I love it. They can't, they can't punish them because they've done just such a great thing. The man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Court resembles, they tell him not to speak in Jesus' name, and they basically say, guys, what, what are we going to do? We're going to obey you, we're going to obey God on this one. And uh, again, it's just been a good day at the office, you know? 2,000 people, or 2,000 more men, should I say, giving their lives to Jesus. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit again. Peter gets to preach and teach the Jewish leaders. That's just awesome and unbelievable. He's gone straight to the top. They actually acknowledge this miraculous healing. And Peter and John leave bolder than ever. And God is glorified. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. They reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And they pray this most amazing prayer, which I'm going to skip right the way through. Uh, and they asked this, stretch out your hand. This is the end of their prayer. To heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Peter and John, they're released from court and they go back to the, all their, their key believers, the other disciples, apostles, we assume. And they basically tell them what happened and what they'd said. 
And their response in the situation is, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And it's not like we say, we're going to have a prayer meeting, so meet down the venue at such and such a time. It just happens, right? We're going to pray. And they pray vocally. They raised voices in unison together. They pray. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in a couple of situations where it's been pretty exciting in a prayerful way. Uh, the first time I can remember, we led a team with Tear Fund to Brazil. And uh, we were uh, just, I don't know what it was, but it was some wee building. We were there and with these guys who were praying. And we led a team of, there was about 12 of us from all different kinds of backgrounds. We were probably the most relaxed in that environment, should we say. We were sort of, you know, we'd, we'd been interesting environments before, and very much open to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. But this place was going crazy. Like, I mean, they were up on their feet and walking around, and, and they were all praying out crazy, not crazy stuff, but they were just loud and, and, and just, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? it was, and it was so funny because we just looked at each other and then we looked at the, the, the Presbyterian, um, no, the, the free Presbyterian girl from Northern Ireland and the, the Baptist and the Anglican from England that had come on all this. And we were just thinking, this is so funny. This is so out of their comfort zone. It's unbelievable. But in that moment, something just incredible just was taking place. It was real. It wasn't just some zany, wacky kind of thing. And in this place, you see the believers, they join in unity together and they intercede and they stand and they pray, God, give us boldness. Come, help us. Stretch out your hand to heal. Signs and wonders and all the rest. And I just think, here's the thing. They had come up against something. And we in our lives, we come up against the enemy. And the best thing we can do, honestly, honestly, when the enemy comes, is to stand. It's just simply to stand. It's not to retreat and go, ah. Guys, life is difficult. And we're all in different situations and circumstances where the enemy comes against us. And there's loads of other script, other passages in the Bible I haven't got time to look at this morning where God just invites us and says, just stand. Just stand your ground. Don't let the enemy take ground. I'm talking military stuff here right now. But stand your ground and pray. And just pray. There's a verse that uh, we, we've been talking about. I think Chance shared this one recently uh, from Exodus. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And I really felt that in the worship actually this morning. We're, I'm, we're just going to time out here. But we're going to pray. There, there, was that, there was that line, um, in your presence all our fears are washed away. Just for 60 seconds, let's pray right now. And guys, what, what, whatever's going on, be it fear, be it the enemy, and a mean Satan now. There's just stuff that it's just, you just feel like you are pushing forwards into the things of the kingdom, but the enemy has come near. And in this moment, as we're just, well, you're sitting, but we're 
imagining that we're just standing right now. And in your presence, that thing, that fear, we just say, be gone again. Just leave us. Just go. In his presence, he is mighty to save. He's mighty. The Lord will fight for you. You just must only be still. We're coming to land, folks. All the believers were one in heart. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify. Um, blah -de blah From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and distributed it amongst the folks. Just quickly, the believers were one heart and one mind. There was great unity amongst them. Oh, how it would have been brilliant if it stayed that way <laughs> over the years. Because <laughs> it's kind of digressed and chopped and changed over the years, right? But that said, and again, I'm going to say it to us here. We're a people of unity, okay? As a church, we're a people of unity. And we stand together with other believers, regardless of what they choose to do or choose to believe. We must always speak well of each other to protect and to stay in unity with one another. They shared their possessions. This is what they did. They shared their possessions with each other and those who were in need. And folks, here's the thing. I'm not big into politics I'm not big into economics, although I did an economics A-level badly and scraped a D-grade in it. Um, but but I guess I guess I'm I'm good with the free market, the open market, you know, being able to go and do business and all the rest and make money. Um, I think I'm okay with that. That's not a Christian thing, by the way. Uh, don't take that or whatever. What I am trying to say is this, is that there is a kingdom economy. There is a kingdom dynamic that says this and looks like this. Those with plenty have a responsibility to give more to those who are in need. That's what they did and that's what we should do. And those who uh, God has so richly gifted in the area of business and whatever it is to making money, there is a responsibility on you to give more of your wealth to those who are in need. Amen.